You got one on Bruder when He's you so need a hand. Oh, we all need somebody to lean on. Dun-dum, dun-dum. Welcome to... Hey, great shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast brought to you by Cracked Rackets. My name's Alex Gruskin. Joining me on this podcast, as always, my doubles partner, partner in crime, and the man who is now retired from singles, Max Rothman. Hey, great shot. It was a sad day for me (laughs) and for my career as a singles player. Cue the slow music. And, you know, all good things must come to an end. <laughs> I'll just stick with doubles and, you know, hope that that satisfies my tennis craving for the rest of my life. Yeah, let's hope so. One person who is not retired, our super producer, Max Fliegner. Unfortunately, Max couldn't be on today's podcast, but that's because he was too busy winning two singles matches and a doubles match for Dartmouth men's tennis. And they took home their first two wins of the regular season. So a special, hey, great shot to you, Maxie. And uh, we miss you here. That we do. And, you know, we actually have to start this podcast with an apology. Uh, We want to apologize to anyone who took us up on any of those bets we suggested at the end of the last podcast. In our defense, like, what the actual (laughs) is going on in this tournament? I I really felt good. Only Dimitrov is left of the people we thought. And uh, all of Federer, Nadal, and Djokovic are still in. Obviously, Sock and Del Pocho are eliminated as well. So, uh Sorry about that. Yeah, but, th- this didn't really fit with the regular odds of, <laughs> of tennis. Seriously, Hyun Chung went from a thousand to one to like eighty-one to one, which you know, not bad odds considering what he's done. <laughs> Good for him. Yeah, yeah seriously, <laughs> going and, from uh, next gen to, to this, and yeah, no, he's definitely riding that momentum. Actually, fun fact about him before we begin, but do you know he won? In, I heard this from Brad Gilbert. He won some South a- East Asian Olympic Games, and because of that medal, he got to defer his two-year military service in Korea and go pro. Wow. I, it's a huge deal. Like, if it weren't for that, badges. maybe this Australian Open would be like a normal draw. <laughs> <Straight up. laughs> well, I'm just saying, that is a high-stakes match. That's, That's cool. Good, yeah, for him. good for him. But So, yes, it has been one heck of a first week uh, at the Australian Open. We hope you've been following along on CrackedRackets.com. Obviously, we've had a ton of great content. We've had daily recaps. We've had you know, preview articles talking about those days' matches. I actually wrote a changeover chat myself, and I am hoping to get another one out this week talking a little bit more in-depth about some of these matches and you know, the most impressive matches and how each player who won, you know, what they did well to win. Uh, you know, Maxi, obviously, would like to see you right up there as well. No peer pressure, though. But, you know, another thing we do, those crack chats, you know, if any of you want to interact with us you know if we don't talk about a match today that you would like to hear covered throw your ideas up there we're constantly on there throwing things out yeah and uh also feel free to hit us up on twitter um you know alex now considers himself a verified tennis twitter man so uh feel free feel free to throw him a tweet and tell him to Start talking about something else if you get annoyed of his voice. <laughs> Those are yours words, not mine. Fair and uh, if you want the password, obviously you can have access. <laughs> but we'll talk about that later. But yeah, no, no, no shut it down. And uh, it has been one heck. I mean, I, you see, I skipped the joke. That was a little fun. I, <laughs> he really wanted to throw it. Uh, shut I, I, I it can't. down. And I don't mean the government, folks. <laughs> 
I'm really glad he didn't. I called even an audible, just, even though I just totally exposed, exposed you. Yeah, Sorry, mid match. It's in the outline, so I yes. didn't know if I should do it's it hard or not. To miss. But yeah, it, it has been one crazy week of tennis, and you know both sides as well. The women's draw, obviously, that Lauren Davis Simona Hallett match was incredible. You have Madison Keys looking really good heading into tonight's fourth round match. It's been crazy. There's a lot of matches to talk about, and so that's what we're gonna try and do today. We're gonna cycle through matches, start from round one. You know, talk about two and three as well and then in our changeover chat kind of project what we see going forward into week two and you know again if we don't talk about any matches you want to hear reach out to us on these social media platforms but you ready to get into the tennis yeah i think we're uh we'll probably stay away from the betting this time uh, just given our track record we don't we don't want to you know put you guys down a slippery slope with your with your bookies yeah and keep in mind we are an american tennis podcast or at least that's the thing we talk about the most here and so some of this coverage will slant towards the American players and that's really the only round one match we have to talk about left I want to talk about Dennis Kudla's 6-7-6-3-7-6-6-2 win over Steve Johnson in the first round just talking about some of the stats from that match if you didn't get to see it in in terms of first serve percentage Kudla who you know is not the tallest player I think he's 5-10-5-11 serves 57% on his first serves which is again what you expect and if you don't know about Dennis Kudla quick summaries ranked around 160 in the world. It's been mostly on the challenger level in 2017. He did have that fourth round run in Wimbledon a few years ago, but you probably don't know much about him. But yes, you know, he serves 57%. Steve Johnson, a guy, big first serve and big forehand, 47%. That's not what you want to see. Yeah, I mean, especially on a guy who relies on his serve to be one of his weapons. Um, But also just Stevie in this match... It was weird. It, it he lost his fire kind of towards the beginning of that first, or sorry, towards the beginning of that second set. It was like something the the light switch went off and it kind of just left room for Kudla to come in and, and take charge of the match. Well, look, Steve Johnson is a player who hits a lot of forehand winners. He's yeah. a guy who's moving his opponent side to side, and usually Kudla, given his size, he can be overpowered by a player like that. But when you look at the winner unforced error breakdown, you know Kudla hits 47 winners, actually more than Johnson, who only hits 43. But in terms of unforced errors, Kudla has t- only 29 when Steve Johnson has 50. And you know we haven't even talked about his backhand slice, which was just a liability against Kudla. Yeah, missing just basic backhand slices that should keep him in points. And, I mean, yeah, the the 50 unforced errors speak for itself. He just was missing shots that he should never miss. Yeah, it's just kind of unfortunate because Steve Johnson is never a guy you'd think he's going to give up on a match. You know, his... He's a fighter. His reputation, yeah, he's a fighter. He is a guy who, you know, even if his game isn't working for him that day, even if his opponent can attack his backhand, he finds a way, whether he incorporates the volleys, whether he, you know, serve and volley, chip and charge, he just finds a way to take control. And, you know, he really let Kudla play his game. He let Kudla dictate from the baseline. You know, Kudla does well to take the, you know, Steve Johnson's trying to protect his backhand, but he'll go, you know, Kudla goes backhand down the line to counter that, and that's one of his go-to shots. And Dennis played a good match, but... Not what you want to see from Steve Johnson. Yeah, I mean, definitely got to give give credit to Dennis. I mean, he he definitely kept the ball away from that forehand. Um, you know, I think Stevie could have probably moved around the backhand a little bit better than he did. But yeah, I mean, just you know, a lot of looking up at the at the box and kind of shaking his head like he didn't know what was going wrong, and a little bit of disbelief on his end. And uh, you know, hopefully he he finds a little bit of uh, willpower to 
to move on from this and, and look forward to the French. Yeah, Steve Johnson ends his Australia portion of the tour going one in three. You know, not what you want to see from someone in the top 50. You'd hope he gets at least a win at each of these events. And, you know, we're not really giving credit to Dennis Kudla yet, but we will when we talk about his match versus Dominic team. So we'll get back to Dennis Kudla, a match we have to start with when we're talking about the second round. And, of course, it's an American. We have to talk about Grigor Dimitrov's 4-6, 6-2, 6-4, 0-6, fifth set victory over America's own Mackenzie McDonald. He's a UCLA uh, guy, so I'll let you start, Rothen. What would you think? First of all, how crazy is it that he what bageled him? Okay. He bageled him in a set. Even better, do you know in the first round of qualifying, because Mackenzie McDonald was a qualifier, qualifier, beats Noah Rubin 6-1-6-0. Yeah. Noah Rubin won a challenger like two right weeks be- before. Yeah, literally right before. Cra- a tournament Mackie McDonald lost first round of. Yep. That's I mean, the cra- margins. Crazy turnaround. Yeah, yeah, it's unbelievable. But Mackie just, he played great. Um, you know, from the start of the match, he was moving in. He really just took control of the court, played smart tennis. I mean, he knew that he had to be aggressive against a guy like Grigor, who is right now the three seed in the tournament. I mean, he just did everything right. I, I Honestly, he should have won this match. He had opportunities plenty of times and uh just the the experience that Grigor had just kind of carried control at the end yeah. well I will say about Mackenzie McDonald in case you haven't heard of him you know he's a little too old to qualify for our next gen series but he is only 22 years old he's a former NCAA singles champion at UCLA as we mentioned but yeah a guy who is ranked around 200 coming into this year mostly played on the challenger tour had a couple of chances again we remember a run in Cincinnati qualifying where he qualified for the main draw but not a guy really familiar to the common tennis fan, but he looked incredible. And the stat I want to turn to, but you mentioned this, net points. So Dimitrov, in a five-set match, goes 23 of 32 at the net. Pretty respectable, is, right? Yeah, that's good. Mackenzie McDonald goes 35 of 53. That's just show he had a game plan. I'm yeah. rushing to the net. I'm going to make Dimitrov pass me. And for him to do that, given you know he's not the tallest player, but he is one of the quickest, and he just takes the ball on the rise and gets in. Yeah, that was apparent from the very first game. He, he came in, hit a nice backhand um, cross-court volley, and he was doing that, as you can see, 50 different times throughout the match. And that's what got him to the fifth set. But unfortunately... Couldn't carry him all the way through. Well, I do want to say, and, you know, we kind of give a passing reference to these matches. A lot of these can be seen, highlights on YouTube. You know, there's the Australian Open ones, and then if you search, there are more in-depth ones as well. Uh, So, you know, we may not refer to every point specifically, but one point I do want to point to from the highlights, it's 6-7 in the fifth set. Mackenzie McDonald's up 40-30. He has a put-away high forehand volley, not the hardest of shots, but tries to go behind Dimitrov. Dimitrov ends up hitting a one-handed backhand pass, yeah, yeah, right down the line. You wish you had that one back and you send it to 7-all. But yeah, he played a good match. And, you know, I heard Brad Gilbert say this yesterday about Mackenzie McDonald, called him the best returner in American tennis. One stat that kind of proves that on Grigor Dimitrov's second serve, he's only winning 42% of those points. And you're imagining Mackenzie's taking the ball early and following it in. And yeah, his game is impressive. Yeah, and I mean, so he did have a substantial amount of unforced errors at 55 
which goes to show that you know he is trying to attack the second serve, taking risks. Yeah, it, and that's what you have to do when you're playing a guy like Grigor. I mean, he won the. So you know, another stat I want to turn to is total points won. He actually won two more points than Grigor, but that's mm-hmm. a little slanted from that six zero fourth set. Yeah. But no, Mackenzie McDonald, extremely impressive. A guy who can sometimes be a little bit streaky, and again, given his size, a bigger player like Adele Potro, obviously that's an extreme example, but could overpower him. But credit to him, he looked amazing. He, like his ground stroke form is pristine. Yep, and you know now following this tournament, he's going to move to a career high of 158. So still uh, challengers, not quite ATP main draws. Yeah, but this is going to give him an opportunity to get into the challengers without as much trouble. You know, hopefully, a nice paycheck. Yes, <laughs> and now hopefully he can you know make his way up you know inch forward little by little, and you know maybe he'll uh, he'll be Grand Slam not. Not have to go through the qualifying soon enough. Well, I mean, for sure, this will guarantee him into Grand Slam qualifying for the yes. next three majors. So that's big. But okay, let's move on to our next match. This is maybe the Max Rothman special of the tournament. And I was seriously worried about your health. And this is one of the few matches where you are live texting me saying, dude, are you watching this? Dude, are you watching this? And I was actually heading over to Michael's to go watch the fifth set. But you ruined the ending for me. Yeah, so I just ended up staying home. Too. Of course, we're talking about Max's favorite player, Joe Wilfred Song of number 15 seed, beating Denis Shapovalov in the second round. 3-6, 6-3, 1-6, 7-6, 7-5. Give me your thoughts. I've never been so torn <laughs> watching a match. To me, this is Murray versus any American. You mean Murray versus... Well, yeah. I, I was going to say Murray versus Kozlov. <laughs> you would be freaking out. Um, but yeah, I mean, Shapovalov played great. I love his game. I I would love to see him be... Like I said in the last pot, I think he'll be in the top 20 by the end of the year. I love watching Sanga win... <laughs> But at the same time, like I wanted to see Shapovalov take it. It it was hard All for right, me to watch of that your match. Sorry, Tell me yeah. about the tennis. <laughs> tennis was great. Sanga in classic fashion and hits hitting. Just, sorry, real quick for the record, if Murray played Kozlov, probably pulling for Kozlov, but it would hurt me. But no sorry. way you just said that. I know. I it's know. on the record, folks. You <laughs> said but it. Go on. Go on. So classic Sanga fashion, you know, hitting. A lot of big shots. Um, you know, he hits some weird backhand flick wrist passing shots at times. And, and that's, you know, what I love about him. He, he hits tweeners and um, hits some crazy forehands and, and did all of that in similar fashion. But what I loved was the way Shapovalov controlled the court. Um, did not feel like he was intimidated by Sanga's pace at all, handled it well, controlled the court, moved him around, which is unusual, I think, when you're playing an, an older guy who's got experience and a younger guy like Shapovalov. Um, I think he did everything right, except for closing it out at the end. He he had the chance, and again, this is another example of experience uh, just kind of taking over and, and allowing Sanga to pull it out. Well, you know... I completely agree with you. Shapovalov and Sanga, both shot makers, both guys yeah. who are trying to move their opponents around. And for Denis Shapovalov at 18 years old to be able to hang with a guy like Sanga with that type of pace, you know, a guy who goes after the forehand, whether it's down the line, cross court, not afraid to really rip it. And yeah, Shapovalov was not intimidated. You know, unfortunately, Sanga only served 49% on his first serve, and that's something Shapovalov capitalized on. And I was about to comment on that. Throughout the match, they were saying how that is something that Songa struggled with and um, you know I think 
he picked it up right at the end in the last two sets. And I think had that not happened, this match was Shapovalov's all the way. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, in terms of first serve percentage one, uh, Songo wins 85% of his first serve points. Shapovalov protects his really well as well at 74%. You know, again, in terms of second serve points, that's where Shapovalov was able to jump on the ball and he wasn't afraid to dictate. And Songa ends up only winning 45% of his second serve points. To me, the difference in this match is in, you know, the fourth and fifth sets, Songa started coming to the net. Mm-hmm. You know, you look at net points one. Shapovalov does really well at 28 of 42. You know, that's an outstanding performance. But Songa goes 39 of 52. And when you're a young guy, if you have the pressure of hitting a passing shot, you know, at the high stakes, that's probably the hardest shot to hit. Yeah, I'm curious. I've, I've got a question for you. So one thing that I mentioned in in last pod about Sangha was that he does this thing where it looks like he, he gives up, but then all of a sudden picks up his pace again, and he, it looks like he loses interest, but then he's back. And I, I was thinking about it. He did it a little bit in this match, too, where it seems like it's almost a strategic move in a way where he's trying to throw off the opponent. Do you think that there are other players that purposefully tank games or sets in order to come back and, you know, fire up in the next set. Are you ready for this exhaustive list? Sock. Kyrgios. Um, a lot of these. I, I've seen Federer tank sets. I've seen does everyone it, tank it, sets. So does it work? Is that It depends on the context. Only at the slams, because in a two out of three set match, you can't afford to tank a set. But in a slam, you know, you look at Sanga. Sure, he might have tanked that third set. There's uh, yeah. a lot of tennis to go. And, you know, Dennis actually served for this uh, match at 5-3 in the fifth. So it's not as though he didn't have his chances. It, it really did look like he was going to win. And again... We had a long conversation during this match, and you're flipping back and forth. You're saying Sanga did quit. You know why is he doing this? He's not even a fight, and it looks like Shapovalov has control. And then it's, oh no, Dennis looks his age now. Like he's you know being a little more tentative, and he's shanking a little bit yeah, more on the backhand some, side. Oh, he just made some unfortunate shot choices in those I mean, last two sets. The margins are incredibly thin. That Sanga ends yep. up when or hits 50 winners and 47 unforced errors. Shapovalov 60 winners, 51 unforced errors. Total points one. Shapovalov one. 60, Tsonga 153. This match could have gone either way. And look, you know, I, I think this was another example of Shapovalov showing that he has what it takes to really make it into the top 20 in the world. He's gone again five sets with someone who's a vet and has been around for a while in the top 20. And so, uh, you know, I think it's we've got Credit a pos- to him. Yeah, he looks incredible. Yeah, definitely a positive future for Shapovalov. But let's go back to a player we were just talking about. And I know a guy that you I'm think, ready for this match. Uh, I love this match. Yeah, so we're, we're talking about the TM Kudla match. This was a, a match that TM won 6 7 3 6 6 3 6 2 6 3. Tell me your thoughts. Okay. So the reason I think this match is important to discuss is because we're recording this on Sunday night, and tonight, Tennis Sandgren, the lamp, the, other. the last American male player. The lamp. <laughs> credit to Ben Rothenberg for coming up with that. But he now plays Dominic Team, And so, you know, he mentioned this, well, you know, uh, I think it was Patrick McEnroe asked him, you know, what are you going to do to prepare for Dominic Team? He said, hopefully I'll get to watch some of Dennis's match. Well, what did Dennis Kudla do well in his 6-7-3-6-6-3-6-2-6-3 loss to Dominic Team? The first thing he did, he ran. He was so impressive. You know, the way he's able to cover cover the 
the court laterally, the way he's able to kind of work you to where you think you have him on a stretch backhand, but he's actually using that to open up the backhand line. His backhand combinations, the way I think it was Joey Hannaf on Twitter, and I'm sorry if I butchered his last name, but he was saying Kudla has the best backhand of any American. And in this match, he made that case. You know, he took advantage of the fact that Dominic Team has a one-handed backhand, and if you can kind of jam it with flat pace, it'll give him troubles. And Team was providing a lot of spin, so Kudla was able to use that, you know, hit the angles cross-court even though it was flat and kind of put pressure on Team. And again, Kudla flew around the court. You know, he ends up 51 winners. I wonder how many of those were on the run. He also had that one really sick, like, one-handed backhand. Oh, it was oh. Oh, that, that little slice pass on yeah, the right. Yeah, it was gorgeous. Sweet. He also, you know, Team only wins 38% of his second serve. That's, and that's from Kudla putting pressure on him with the return, which another thing he did really well was when Team kind of left some sitters on those hard courts for second serves. Kudla took advantage of it and took it on the rise. So, excellent performance from him. Again, a guy who's now in the mid-100s and at 26 years old, you don't know how much better he's going to get, but it was an incredible performance. Yeah, I hear you. And, you know, as two guys who who love guys with great backhands, it is fun to watch his backhand. I love it. aesthetically pleasing. It is technically sound. I don't know if there are many other guys that have as good a backhand as he does. I mean, look, Steve Johnson, Dominic Team, both guys who majority play the one-handed backhand, and it looks like Kudlow came up with a game plan that had success against both of those guys, and that's a credit to him for being prepared for this opportunity, and it's always great to see him do well. The other reason, again, that I thought this match was so important and a guy I want to talk about now is Tennis Sandgren. Tennis Sandgren in the second round beat Stan Wawrinka 6-2, 6-1, 6-4. That's a beatdown. First of all, ruined my bracket. <laughs> like, uh. See, I thought Wawrinka was going to lose just in the next round. That's true. You also said pre-tournament that he was not going to come off come back great after the That's what I was saying. And so maybe the one prediction we got right was that Stan was going to lose. lose really. yeah. But in terms of the thing Sandgren does well, incredible mover. A guy who, you know, was not worked over by Warinka's pace. A guy who was able on the forehand to hit some spin deep and kind of get Warinka uncomfortable. And another guy who also moves the ball around really well, works the angles, may not hit the biggest strokes, but certainly puts enough spin on them to make his opponent uncomfortable. And in this match, I mean, the, the stats speak for themselves. Sandgren serving 71% on his first serve, and of those 71% that he made, winning 88% of those serves. I mean, when you're serving like that, all it takes is a few breaks and the match is yours. Well, it's also a testament to what Rinka not being able to move that well because yeah. his first step was just not there. No, not at all. I mean, it, it was unfortunate watching that match. I mean, you could just tell that he wasn't fully there. The movement was bad. Only it, hits 21 winners against 35 unforced errors. So, again, this is not to say he won't return to form, but what we shouldn't expect him to be in top 10 form right no, now. No, he, he looked at most 85% yeah, Exactly. And But in terms of Tennis Sandgren, it's a guy who came in with two ATP wins on his career. You know, he's 26 years old. Another pet peeve of mine, who cares that his name's Tennis? Get over it. It's just a thing. Like, hey, it's but, Tennis of Tennis. Yeah. <laughs> 30 for 30 coming soon. Oh, yeah. That's funny. Uh, But, yeah, he's a guy who went to Tennessee, you know, fought off injuries early in his career, but had a really good 2017 on the challenger level, had actually broken the top 100 by the end of the year and got into the Australian Open on his ranking. You know, I think now he's around 64 after this run. Um, We'll talk about his fourth round match in a little bit, but credit to him. Great win. You know, that's a, that's the type of win you need at 26 to launch your career, to become, I don't want to say a Donald Young, but to be a presence in the top 75. So that's, that's what I was about to ask you. So 
as a guy who's 26 year, years old, has been on the tour for a little bit, is starting to have a little success here. Is this the point where he might have a breakthrough? Is this the point where he's, you know, finding that kind of D young middle ground where he's going to be at for the, maybe the rest of his career? I mean, what do you think? Well, that's a great question. And I need to cite my sources here because Brad Gilbert and Chris Fowler had this debate during his, I think it's Fuchs, or who do you play in the third round? Martyrer. Yeah. Martyr. During the Martyrer match. And it kind of was funny because they started yelling at each other. But Chris Fowler made that, you know, asked that same question. And Brad Gilbert's answer was, look, he now has enough points to maybe get into some ATP main draw events on his ranking. He won't have to always go through qualifying. Similarly, he will always get into qualifying for the big events because his ranking is, you know, now in the top 65. He's in a position to succeed. Which is so helpful. Uh, yeah, absolutely. That's everything in tennis. The opportunity is everything. And he will now have those opportunities. Yeah, coming in fresh rather than playing two to three qualifying matches. I mean, that's all, that's all the difference. The other thing is you know part of it is confidence and that's a little yeah. superficial but he had this is building off of an excellent 2017 it's not like this is the first time we've seen him in great form i also think physically his movement is back he's confident in his health he seems to be comfortable moving around you know whether it's to the net whether it's again protecting the serve really having a strong first serve that he can use whether it's getting depth into his ground strokes and not getting overpowered Yes, this is the type of result that is huge for launching a career. And we mentioned this again, fourth round appearance, $200,000 paycheck. That is monumental to a player's career. Yeah, and believe it or not, tennis's career prize money earned $488,000. I mean, that's almost half of his entire career. It's like 40%. Yeah, it's unbelievable. It's crazy. So good for him. Yeah, one thing, you know, that's enough love for him. One thing I kind of don't love He's way too reliant on the backhand slice. And I don't get it because his backhand's fine. Like, it's a little wristy and I could see it getting overpowered. But he's just too comfortable hitting the backhand slice. And I sometimes like that he slices down the line. But I don't know. I just, I could see, again, a Dominic team. If you leave a ball hanging for him, you're in trouble. And so, again, we'll preview that match later. But it'll be interesting. He does have some liabilities. And so, you know, again, great result for him. But let's talk about our last second round match. This is a matchup between two big bangers. We have the number 12 seed Juan Martin Del Potro defeating Karen Hatchnov, the young Russian. 6-4, 7-6, 6-7, 6-4. You look at some of the stats from this match, you know, it was incredibly close and it was played on, I think, the 100 degree day or 40 degree Celsius. Well, there's been, there's been a the... couple 100 degree days. Yeah, it's now. been it's, hot. It's been a tough tournament for these guys. And regardless, Hatchnov was moving. He was really yep. impressive. And you look at the winner's hit. Delpo, of course, hit 60. Hatchnov hit 73. Yeah. And, you know, unforced airs, you'd think young player, maybe like a Rublev throwing in 90 unforced airs against Ferrer. No, he only had 39 to Delpo's 33. So he played really good tennis. And even though it was a four-set match, total points won, 147-147. So this was a great matchup. What do you think? I mean, yeah, I think this, again, this is this is another classic example of experience taking over the young guy. I think it was a few points here and there where Delpo closed, and that was that was the difference. But I think what was awesome to see in this match, and I know this is where you, you might disagree with me, is Delpo was back in classic fashion with those massive cross-court forehands. I, when I was watching this, I didn't understand why... And honestly, why, when anyone plays him, why you even hit to his forehand? I mean, it's, I would be terrified. My one problem with Del Potro matches, and this is why on the outline I say, ask Rothman if Del Potro matches are enjoyable to watch. Mm. 
They're very repetitive. So the ESPN commentator in one of the dumbest moments in ESPN history was asked, oh, what does Tiafo need to do? You know, Tiafo played Del Potro first round and Del Potro was up two sets to love. And, you know, he was asked, what does Tiafo need to do to win this match? His answer was, oh, you should probably hit to the Del Potro backhand more. Like Shocker. You think? Like, <laughs> it's unbelievable. And so it's just so repetitive. There's, there's only one way to beat Del Potro, and it's pound the ad side. You know, make him hit backhand slices. Make him come over the top of his backhand and, you know, then keep him honest with the down the lines. And I was impressed with Hatchinoff because he was able to do that. But it is very repetitive. I enjoy it because I'm a, I love tennis and, like, I enjoy the intricacy of that plan. But I could see why people would think it's a bit boring. I just disagree. I think there's something that's so fascinating about watching someone try so hard to stick to a game plan and then just watching the magic of a Delpo forehand. And there is I mean, something being said of his opponents know his game plan. And again, yeah. there's one way you, you don't need to scout him. But the other he thing just was, executes. Right. But the other thing I was going to say, I think there's a, a lot of guys on tour where it's, you know, there's one way to beat them. And if you, do it great I, I don't think that's you know specific or or you know that's fair but there are more interesting ways to beat a person than just pound the back end this isn't the boys tens where the kid can only hit a forehand this is the atp tour right but you're also talking about probably the best forehand on tour I mean, it's gorgeous it, you're right that is the redeeming quality is every so often he cranks it up I mean, it's. I think it's more than every so often. Yeah, you, you get at least one a game where you're like, holy... 60 sh- winners <laughs> and four sets. That's nuts. Yeah, and I mean, it was a great match. I want to talk about one more thing from this match, and then we'll move on to our first fake ad of the day. But in terms of the Russian Troiska, we're talking Hatchnov, Rublev, Medvedev. And we could call them the Russian 3 in honor of the Red Wings Russian 5 from the 90s, but we'll stick with the Russian Troiska. Who do you think will have the most successful? Two questions about them. One, who has the best 2018 season? And two, who has the most impressive long-term projection? That's a good question. I mean, I think up to date, you would have to say either Rublev or Medvedev has had the best results. Medvedev over Hatchnov? Yeah, I think he's had better results. Than, I agree than Rublev Hatchnov. has had the best results. Yes, Rublev for sure. Um you know, it's tough. You got a guy like Rublev who hits a big ball. He, you know, if Dictates. he has, yeah, if he has an off day, um, who knows? And ninety three you know, errors, right? <laughs> if, he, if he starts going down a, a downward path of losing confidence and, and not being able to hit those big balls, who knows? Um, but my my instinct is to say that Rublev's got the best shot. He's got the weapons. We always talk about needing a weapon to to make it far in the ATP Tour, and um, you know, I, I really like Hachinov's game. He's got a pretty complete game overall. Uh, but like you said, nothing really stands out with his game. Um, so I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say Rublev for both. It's hard to disagree with you. Rublev, again, is seated at this tournament, and he made a final in the first week of 2018. So that's very impressive and something to keep in mind. I think both him and Hatchnov are excellent athletes, and they both cover the court much better than you'd expect. Hatchnov, in particular, very muscular guy. Yeah, it's a big, big ball, guy. but also moves extraordinarily well, maybe even better than a Del Potro. And again, there's only about two inches between them. It's tough. Medvedev has disgusting ground strokes. I mean, the form is awful. It's just like a slap. It's really gross. But he's a, he's a shot maker. It's very skilled. And the thing I like about him compared to the other two, he can make volleys. I don't think Hatchnov nor Rublev is the most comfortable volleyer yet. I, I think Rublev, you gotta give Rublev a little more credit on his volleys. I don't think they're bad. Mm, 
I don't know. And again, but again, that's something I think that we've discussed that you can work on. Well, I think Hatchnov in this match, the way you beat Del Potro is when he hits the backhand slice, sneak in. Yeah. Like, come in. And Hatchnov didn't really do that. He kind of waited and would sit around and set on a forehand. And again, to his credit, 70 winners. So well done. But I wish he would come forward more. And he doesn't seem comfortable doing that yet. I, I'll agree with you. Rublev's second serve isn't great, but that forehand is amazing. It's elite. Uh, yeah, he's probably the most impressive of the three. Yeah, I hear you. Well, we will definitely talk more about Rublev in his third round match with Grigor, but before we do that, we got a quick break. We'll come back. And now, a new fake advertisement from our new social media app, How Many Times. How Many Times. This week's How Many Times goes to Nike. Nike. How many times are you going to send your players out in pink outfit? How many times? The How Many Times app. Welcome back to... Hey, great shot. God, that is... Dude. Beautiful. The... Oh, wow. <laughs> Not what you're expecting me to yeah, say. I was going to say, these matches are from 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. I'm exhausted. It's been a long there's, weekend There's some good tennis going on now. Yeah, there's some off-the-court issues in my life, to say the least. Yeah, we, a... we've all got them. <laughs> Exactly. Um, But things that are going extraordinarily well. Again, the play on the court. Let's get right back into it. The energy is high. Speaking of which... Back to our boy Rublev. Not a player who's high, but a player (laughs) who is really good. Grigor Dimitrov, the three seed, beats Andrei Rublev, part of the Russian Troitska. 6-3, 4-6, 6-4, 6-4. Max Rothman, we've mentioned Andrei Rublev's volatility in this match. 29 winners, 59 unforced errors. He throws in 13 more double faults. You know, he's only winning 44% of his second serves. In the end, that's what really did it in against Dimitrov. Yeah, I hear you. And, and before we dive too much further, I this is something I mentioned before. There is this crazy glare that gets on the courts at different times throughout the match where you've got half the court that's perfectly sunny and half the court that's shade. And I I promise you, this is what's making it so hard for these guys to hit these second serves in with confidence. And that's why they combine for 28 double falls. I'm sorry, that should never happen in a match. There was a, there was a point in the second set where Dimitrov's second serve just stopped working. He, he could not spin one. I think he double faulted three times a row, in a row on like the you, ad side. Like you did in our national final. <laughs> That's a low fly. <laughs> it had, it had hey, to come out. turn to your right. What's that? A beautiful trophy. You're welcome. So, <laughs> oh, like it was all you. Dude, remember when you double faulted three times against UCLA in the semifinals when we're up 5-3 and you get broken? Yeah, but I also carried us in that next game. How can you say that? <laughs> I, you legitimately did not play well until the finals. Like it's, oh, it's, it's, my and then God. you played really well mixed. Okay. If it weren't for me, no, we no. weren't even getting to Real that quick, final. Binghamton. You played well. I played horrible. Are we really about to go through this New with Mexico all of our State. fans? You played terribly. No, we've argued this. You were so bad. Oh my and God. then Yale, you let the high school See, kick fans, in your head. Alex has this, Harvard, this we selective both well. memory Georgia problem. Tech, you where... played well, but I treat. <laughs> we're I'm just going to talk over, over each other. <laughs> we're sorry. But Andre Rublev. Back to, <laughs> back to Andre. Oh, that's so funny. So even beyond the serve, going back to this point I made about his volleys, in this match, a four-set match, Andre Rublev only goes six of nine from the net. You know, six of nine is not going to do it, especially when you're playing a shot maker like Grigor Dimitrov. And yes, Andre was able to dictate at certain points of this match. He did win, you know, 67% of his first serve points. But during those second serve points, you know, when you're only winning 
percent of those, and then with the unforced errors, you know, with not the best backhand in the world, that's not going to cut it against Grigor Dimitrov. That's the missing point. Like he needs that next to get to the next level. He needs to be more comfortable moving forward. Yeah, I agree. And you know, I will have to give a little bit of a credit to Dimitrov in this match. I think go seventeen of twenty one from the net. Right, and and I was going to say even more importantly, just his ground strokes look so solid right now. I think this is the match where I was finally like, wow, I would bet on him to win this tournament. This is a very weird little minutia thing, but my top three sounds in all of tennis is the Del Potro forehand, just beautiful. Oh, the the pop. The Dimitrov forehand Mm -hmm. and the Kyrgios serve. Love the pop on the Kyrgios. I just think all three of those shots sound so beautiful. And Absolutely. yet, Dimitrov's contact point, when he hits it in the center of the frame, it's gorgeous. And so my point to that was, you know, sure, we we always expect someone like Rublev, when you're playing someone like Dimitrov, to, to move in in and, and the same way that it was successful for Mackey. But I think that Dimitrov was taking away the the time from Rublev throughout this entire match. I think he made it really hard for him to move in. I mean, certainly, and you look at Dimitrov, you know, had a few unforced errors himself with 61 unforced errors. The difference is he hits 16 more winners than Rublev, and in a match where Dimitrov only wins 12 more total points, that's the difference. And so, yes, Grigor, an incredible shot maker, a guy who's looked so good all week. We've talked a lot about Grigor, and we're going to talk about him one more time, so let's move on. But another match, Nick Kyrgios beats Sanga 7-6, 4-6, 7-6, 7-6. This is a match Sanga wins 144 points, Kyrgios wins 142. I think Kyrgios had one break to Sanga's two during the match. But what a match. Yeah, this was fun to watch. I, I think this might have been the match of the tournament so really? far. Really? You think the, so? Well, so I, I said before the pod, it's either this or the Dimitrov Kyrgios. So Kyrgios was in... One of the two best matches so far of the tournament. Testament to his form. Oh, absolutely. And I've loved watching Kyrgios this tournament. I haven't seen that part of him where he kind of gives in at times. I think he's been all in. I think he's recognized that this was a chance for him. He's playing good tennis. I will say, also, I didn't see Sanga give up in this match. This is I, I know I, I said probably five minutes ago that <laughs> Sanga does this thing where he gives up, but both these guys were going at it, and it was high-quality tennis, good forehands, smart point, excuse me, smart shot selection, big serves. I mean, we're looking at high 60% for both of their first serve percentages, and if you look at Kyrgios, he's winning 87% of his first serves. I mean, That's the difference. Yeah, That right is there. the difference in this match, and, you know, in terms of the winner count... Kyrgios hits 54, right? You don't think Sanga will hit more than that? Sanga hits 70. That's ridiculous. <laughs> ridiculous. And yeah, Kyrgios, sometimes if he's behind the point, he won't abs- you know, go after the ball. But if you're hitting 70 winners, you're playing well. That's just a fact. Even though there was a combined 124 winners, go back and watch this match. The tennis was still superb. Great actual ground stroke points. I mean, it's not just like they were one two balls and then a winner i mean it was well constructed tennis so fun to watch i slightly disagree with you there are a few too many serve plus ones for my taste sure but i still think in general you got what you wanted from the two of them which was some fun backcourt action and even better something i'm a fan of both players 28 aces that's crazy that is crazy curios goes a respectable 24 of 33 from the net really good for him and i've enjoyed him moving forward it's less reckless less sabin or whatever it's called when he rushes (laughs) yeah and less you know just like kind of slapping and moving in or 
or she drop shots. Uh, sorry, Fliegner. But you look at Sanga, 39 of 51 from the net. So, again, incredible match. If you're getting to the net, it means you're moving your opponent around. And both of these guys played. It was shot making at its finest. So this was one of your favorite matches of the tournament. Probably in my top two matches between Edmund and Anderson and Chung and Zverev. That's probably my number two. Chung Zverev? The first two sets were incredible. And it's just a testament to the future of the game. And you know I love these next-gen guys. And so I was amazed with these guys. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. I, I will say Chung put up a great fight. I loved seeing him just going out there, moving well. Uh, obviously, one next-gen title. Well, hold on. Sorry. Chung's quads ridiculous and well just his legs in general he's got some nice calves if this wasn't so ridiculous i would put out a poll asking bigger butt hyung chung or francis tiafo because i just think they have the quads (laughs) they are squatting man i'm still taking tiafo (laughs) booty is massive it's a big i think you just named the episode (laughs) (laughs) but uh yeah incredible tennis and one of my thoughts during this match as i was watching is Zverev, given his height, he's about 6'6". The way Chung is really able to move the ball cross-court at the baseline, and it's moving it with pace as well. It's not as though it's just a heavy topspin shot that has some angle. It is a hard drive through the court. Would Zverev's legs be able to hold up the entire time? And after he won the third set, 6-2, it looked like he was going to grind this match out, but you look at the score, Hyun Chung wins 5-7, 7-6, 2-6, 6-3, 6-0 in the fifth. It it really exposes the one flaw left in Zverev's game. Yeah, I agree. I think I was frustrated in the end of this match. I just thought that Zverev is not the kind of guy to lose the fight that, sure. that we saw in Stevie 2, and it's you hot know, out there, man. It is hot out there. I, I agree. But when you're playing another young guy, you would think that, especially for Zverev, who's the four seed of the tournament, to think, I am the better player. I don't care if I'm down. I'm going to come back and I'm going to take this match. And there was just, there was none of that. Not to shit talk Alex Zverev, but now we know why he skipped the next-gen finals. Yep, he's scared. our next-gen winners. Yeah, he took he's him scared. in. Look, Alex Zverev has still not won a match that's gone longer than three sets. He's never made a major quarterfinal. You know, is it a Jack Sock thing where three out of five sets maybe isn't the best for his body type? I really don't think so. I think he has the potential. I think his backhand is one of the top three in the game. Backhand it's gorgeous. Is so good. He's, you know, he hits 57 winners in this match, and Chung only wins 49% of his second serves. He's an excellent returner, and he's an aggressive player. His forehand floats a little bit for me, but to, again, it was the fitness and the mental toughness. They're just not elite yet, and those are you know so speculative for us to talk about. But he is 20, 21 years old, and it's he's not a complete player yet. It's something we have to keep in mind. Yeah, and so, and so one thing that we've talked a lot about is how we need to see players coming to the net, taking control in the net in, in order to you know make that next step in their career. And this match was a perfect example of why Zverev hasn't made that jump. We have Chung who went 28 for 40 at the net, which is very respectable. Zverev only 11 of 23. I mean, first of all, he should have been into the net more than that. And converting less than half of your appearances at the net is a sign of either one, not coming in at the right times, or two, just needing to work on those volleys. Well, I will say this in particular. Chung moved really well in this match. and. He's not a guy who's going to slice. You know, if he gets the ball, he's going to rip it. And there's something to be said about not being comfortable coming to the net when you know someone's going to do that. You are right, though. We are proponents of coming to the net. And 
that's just a shot you have to learn to hit, especially as someone who's six six. You know, you're not going to be able to last at the baseline forever. But credit to Chung, man, his ability to you know rebound off of an incredible 2017. You know, start off the year the way he has with this fourth round appearance. I'm going to include him in this group, and I have a question for you. Ooh. Hyun Chung, Alex Zverev, Nick Kyrgios, Dominic Team. Which of them wins a slam in the next five years, if any? And you're allowed to say none. So, because I didn't include Dimitrov. So, just so everyone knows, before this moment and before the pod, <laughs> Chung was not a part of this group. I know Alex was going to maybe ask me this question. It was an audible. This is an audible. Uh, so, that goes to show. Made he, up for the shutdown joke. Yeah. <laughs> he, he's gotten to Alex. Um, I think it's going to be curious, in all, in all honesty. It's a he, fair point. Over Zverev. Over Zverev. He has the weapons. He's beaten all these top guys. He is going to have a moment in the next year or so where he's like, you know what? I'm done messing around and losing. He beat Song in three tie breaks. Right. I mean, he. I'm sorry. He's not the kind of guy who likes losing. I mean, you can, you can see it. And he's going to get to a point where he says, you know what? This is the tournament, and I'm going to take it. Fine. Then which of those four players has the highest upside? Still Kyrgios? Or maybe Zvira because of the frame? Yeah, it's tough to say. If, if Kyrgios mentally can be with it, uh, I'm going to stick with him. Um, but Look, in, There are rumors he's getting married soon. So oh, maybe. boy. That's, I, don't, I don't know if that's going to give him more mental stability or <laughs> mental instability. We're pro-marriage on this podcast. Absolutely. Um <laughs> But yeah, I mean, obviously Zverev, I think, is the the safer person to go with on the, on that question. I think, you know, he's got a very developed game. He's the higher seed currently. Um, I'm really upset. I was hoping for a hot take about Chung. Uh, no, I don't—you know me. I, I don't—he's small. Um, I, have, I have a hard time. If you look at the top ten guys, they're all over six foot pretty much. Um, so, yeah, I have a hard time seeing him who—he doesn't really have any crazy weapons. Chung is six one. No uh, way. Yeah, I know. It's because of the quads. It's the ass. There's right. so much I take, attention I take around the I everything I just said that. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I was looking it up. and I was, I was like, I heard somewhere that he was 6'3". That's not true. He's no. listed at six one. God, he looks smaller out there. He crushes the ball, man. And I mean, his second serve sits a little bit. But this... I want to see him move on clay because I'm not sure he would be that comfortable because he's so stocky. Uh, but, you know, maybe the comp for him is Stan Wawrinka. Yeah, I think, I think that's a good comp. I, I just think I need to see, before I, I had confidence in him moving further in tournaments, I need to see him take more risks on his forehand or do something where he can create a weapon. My old coach, Joe Brennan, is going to kill me, but the one thing I'd like to see him do is add a slice. It would just be a nice <laughs> little diversity thing, something to his game to slow the pace down, give him some time. The fact that he doesn't slice is what helped him a lot in this match. I mean, there were times where I was watching these points and I was like, wow. First of all, he gets low. Due to those quads, obviously. <laughs> but it really did save him in a lot of circumstances. It helped him stay in the point. So, uh, you know, sure, the slice it would help differentiate the point and, and slow it down. But I love the fact that he goes for it. Yeah, I, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of him. Somewhere Josh Molino, a friend of mine, is saying, how have you not said Dominic Team? Uh, but I'm going to stick with Zverev. The frame is just too impressive. And the skills are there. The easiest thing to do is improve your physical abilities. And I think he's done so much so over the past year and a half that there's only more room to improve. I absolutely agree. And, you know, it'll be really interesting to see where Chung goes from here. But, uh, you know, now on to a match where I was super disappointed uh, in this result. Obviously a big Delpo fan. Losing to Tomas Burdich, 6-3, 6-3, 6-2. 
I mean, first of all, it is pretty shocking to see Delpo go down like that. Uh, it just looked like he couldn't do anything. Burdish just kind of controlled the match from the beginning. And it's for, it's probably the first time I've ever seen Delpo just kind of dismantled like that. So there are a couple stats I want to turn to. And, you know, I really don't have much to say about this match because we kind of talked about Del Potro. And I mentioned how if you can expose his backhand slice and take that ball early and kind of, you know, hit an aggressive shot off of that, you can really do damage against him. And Burdich just does that extraordinarily well. He targeted backhand slice. And you look at Burdich's winner count in a three-set match, hits 52 winners against <laughs> only 28 unforced errors. On Del Potro's second serve, he won 24% of the points. And that just means Burdich is taking it early. He's jamming Del Potro, making him float a backhand slice. And, you know, Burdich is aggressively moving forward and taking, like you mentioned, taking over the court positioning. And so, yeah, that's just, Burdich did it really well. He executed a game plan, and credit to him. Yeah, and, and like you said, you know, not a, a whole lot more to say about this match. Just disappointing to see from Del Poe. I, I hope he was This gonna... is the match that blew up my bracket. Yeah. It, At it, this point, it was over. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, everyone, I think everyone's brackets for this tournament are just... I just, if Dimitrov wins, I have a chance. <laughs> not to give you my predictions away, but if he wins... Yeah, I, I, I had Dimitrov losing before this, so I'm, I'm a little screwed there. But... Speaking of Dimitrov, Segway de jour. the second best match that I think has been played this tournament was him versus Kyrgios. Might even be the first. I think, kind of like you were saying in the the Sangha Kyrgios match, maybe a few too many one two punches with those big serves and big forehands. But this had some high quality tennis. You're looking at Dimitrov serving seventy percent first serves, Kyrgios at sixty five percent, Dimitrov winning. 81% of his first serves, and Kyrgios at 79%. I mean, it's just high-quality tennis. That's There's nothing more to say. I could not agree more. Well, there's a lot more to say, but, <laughs> yeah. but it was... Oh. Look, we've been harping on this stat all day, but I'm going to be a snob about it. Total points won, Grigor 157, Kyrgios 156. In terms of points at the net, Grigor won... 21 of 31, Kyrgios went 19 of 32. So those two extra conversions at the net, that's the difference. And really, when you're looking for a difference in this match, that's all I could find because both were incredible shot makers. Like you mentioned, Kyrgios was protecting his serve. I saw him hit a second serve ace after he broke Dimitrov in that third set. Look, there weren't many breaks of serve in this match. There were only five and this is two of our game's best. It's why I'm so you know confident about the future because they both looked incredible. And this is another match where if you didn't get to see it, definitely go check out the highlights. Some really fun points in there. And uh, also just a shout out to Kyrgios at the end of the match uh, when they met up at the net, just giving some really encouraging words to Dimitrov, telling him to you know, fight, take take this win and go on to the next round. And I just love to see the sportsmanship from him. Absolutely. And, you know, another good thing from Kyrgios, 36 aces. That's incredible. You know, <laughs> he's yeah. just, his ability on serve, you know, I mentioned this before. If he's holding serve, why not win the match? Because it's going to likely go to a tiebreaker. And that and that pop on that serve. Yeah, you know, it's gorgeous. It was an incredible match. Maybe the slight difference in this one, Grigor's ability to kind of work the angles. I think, mm-hmm. he, you know, Kyrgios' backhand's a little flat. It's a little bit of a jab, and so he, he can't really get the angle. He can whip his forehand, but so can Grigor. I just think Grigor worked the backhand angle a little bit better. And again, in a one-point difference in total points, that's the difference of the match. Okay. That's really all of the matches we've seen thus far. We do want to give you one more fake advertisement before we go to our changeover chat, but stick around because we'll be right back with you. And now, a new fake advertisement from our favorite sponsor, the Grunt App 3.0. The Grunt App 3.0. 
Rafata! Ah, give me some. The Grunt Tap 3.0. Welcome back to. That was actually really good. Thanks. I really enjoyed that. I, I think we should use that as one of ours moving forward also so we don't have to do it anymore. <laughs> out of ideas. For those of you who don't know, I'm, I'm a big whistle enthusiast, so. Send me I've heard you do that so many times during matches. Maybe the one thing you can do that angers me is that. Oh, my. Yeah, you're the new I'll DJ Khaled. Um, <laughs> Obviously, this is the portion of the show where we like to do our changeover chat. We don't want to deviate from the Australian Open because it's been such an excellent event, and we do want to give some predictions before this week's play begins. So we're going to dedicate our changeover chat to that this week. That being said, we're not going to skip out on the drum roll. Fligner, cue the drum roll, please. It's time for this week's changeover chat the changeover chat you hit that note every time (laughs) so let's cycle through this very quickly obviously the matches we talked about were our favorite but i want to talk about the best and worst performances of week one i want to hear max your top three best performers i don't want to be basic but i think you just have to say that fed nadal and dimitrov Fed Nadal Dimitrov. Yeah, I, I don't think anyone else has gotten through. Well, Dimitrov's had some close matches. Fed Nadal absolutely have played flawless. Um, I don't think has, have either of them dropped a set. I don't think either has. Oh yeah. no, no no, Schwartzman last night. Oh yeah, Schwartzman took a set off mm-hmm. Nadal. Um, but yeah, the, the two of them are just playing good tennis. Um, yeah, we haven't talked about them, and I feel like most tennis podcasts would spend a lot of time covering these guys. The truth is. I can't. I, what is left to say? They're yeah. really freaking good. If they you don't are. know that by now, you haven't been watching tennis. I guess I guess I didn't think of Djokovic as, you know, having cruised through this because of the match I watched with him and Monfi. He looked almost like he was going to pass out at one point, and, you know, maybe that was just a heat thing. It definitely um, was. They were both direct. Right, but uh, it made me think that there was some, some health issue going on there and that made me think you know maybe be a little tentative about his potential for the the tournament so so those are your top three all right i'm gonna give the big three one collective spot in my top three i'm gonna list that <laughs> okay. at number three sure. number two i'm gonna go with nick Kyrgios. even yeah. though he lost he Gotta was so impressive against sanga and even that match against dimitrov like we mentioned he played so well Number one, how can you say anyone but Grigor? Yes, Mackie McDonald, you wouldn't expect a fifth set, but Grigor does beat him anyways. Rebounds, plays a physical match against Rublev, beats Kyrgios, as impressive as any seed thus far. Also, I think he's gotten better as the tournament's gone on. I think everyone else has you know, played well, consistently. I think Grigor's starting to show that his ground strokes are really coming together. Yeah, he looks impressive. And, you know, Max Fliegner would be mad if we didn't mention one text from him. He says it's not Grigor's ability to t- anticipate, but rather his natural quickness that just allows him to move so well in the course. He, he just says Grigor's a fantastic athlete. And Absolutely. So I think that's been proven this week. All right, top three worst performers. Give them to me. I'm going to give not worst performers overall, but i got to give Delpo a a worse performance on that last match. That's just purely disappointing to me. Burge played great, but yeah, you can't let that happen. Yeah. Um, Actually, one person I need to add, a fourth best performer of the week, Kyle Edmund. How have we slept oh, on Kyle yeah. Edmund? He is a quarterfinalist now. We've been now. texting a lot about him, too. I, I mean, he's, love Kyle Edmund. He's good. I was on the Kyle Edmund bandwagon know, after that match I in know, Brisbane. Blah, blah. If you go to our crack chats on the website, you'll see, you know, 
I'm buying stock in Kyle. As Sorry, I should give some clarification. As the CEO and chairman of the board of Andy Murray Fans, LLC, <laughs> I'm buying stock in the next British player, and Kyle Edmund looks legit. We credit to him. He's played, you know, that Anderson match. I think he played Gabishvili this last mm-hmm. match, but incredibly physical. Beat Seppi. And Edmund is the first British player since Murray to make a quarterfinal in the Australian Open. Okay, I'm sorry, but that is the least relevant stat. Like, so interesting. Uh, who cares? Like, I'm sorry. I, I. Well, I guess for all you fans <laughs> out there. Nothing I say is worth saying. No, so. I stress the Sam Query stat, like him going to quarterfinals right, of the Americans right. who can make it. So it's a bit hypocritical. I don't know. It's not my country. So I love British <laughs> tennis, but uh, whatever. So unfortunately, my top three worst performers are all American. Worst performances, but we'll let it slide. They're, they're performers out hey, there, you know? Great shot. <laughs> you can call them performers. <laughs> Yeah, if you guys could see Alex's face <laughs> as he tried to whistle there, it's terrifying. It's a changeover chat. We're yeah. allowed to do that. Like we said earlier, Stevie just looked like he gave up in that match. Um, I was hoping he was going to make it far in this tournament, so that was disappointing. Classic John Isner disappointing me, not getting past the second round. and then, Not even getting past the first round. Right, and I'm, I'm saying I always expect him to at least get to the second round, and Prove <laughs> the point right again. All right, so. What you just made was the equivalent of my whistling face. It was. <laughs> stutter was tough. But yeah, and I, then Jack Sock. I, I completely bad. agree with you. Yeah, it's sorry to cut you off. Just some bad American tennis. No, unfortunately. The, yeah, Roberto Batista Gu really screwed my bracket, so I'm kind of upset with him. I would have liked Milos Raonic to win as well, but the Americans in general, you know, Sam Query loses in the second round as well. You only have two Americans making it to the third round for the second consecutive year. You know, we'd hope to do a little bit better than that. Shout out to Tennis Sandgren again for making the fourth round. He has another shot at Dominic team. And, you know, some of these guys like Tiafo who plays Del Potro, Donald Young who plays Djokovic, Kevin King plays Songo. I mean, nothing you can do about that. But I would have liked to see us go better than six and seven in round one. And again, oh, the Donaldson. losses in, in particular, Sox loss, Isner's loss. You just these are those you know, Steve I mean Steve Johnson lost but to another American, so you can't really do anything about that, but you can't have these Two of our top three seeds losing in the first round. Yeah, it's it, it is tough. And also, I, I really wish I'd seen Donaldson pull out that first round match against Ramos Vinolas. Yeah, that's true. But Ramos Vinolas did make, I Good believe. Player. Yeah, no, very solid. Uh, so we were wrong about him. All right, let's make our predictions. Fliegner, cue the prediction sound effect. So Maxi, the fourth round is halfway done. You have Rafa Nadal. Marin Cilic, Grigor Dimitrov, and Kyle Edmund advancing to the quarterfinals. Who do you have in tonight's match? Let's start with Team Sandgrind. Give me a brief breakdown on who you got. So Under four sentences. I'm going to go TM over Sandgrind. I know he's been playing well, but sorry. Djokovic over Chung. <laughs> but sorry. That's a great reason. <laughs> um, Djokovic over Chung. I'm going to give the same reason. Sure, Chung's been playing well. Sorry, it's Djokovic. We both see Burdich is up the set. <laughs> yeah, for- Burdich, Fonini. Fonini's actually been playing really well this tournament, but, I mean, if Burdich plays the way he did against Delpo... You're in trouble. Yeah, it's game over. Uh, So I'll take Burdich, and then, I mean, Fed's playing a guy that is ranked 80 in the world and I hadn't heard of until this tournament, so I don't even... I'm going to try and pronounce his name. Fuksovic? Fuksovic. Fuksovic, so... Fuksovic, maybe. But yeah, sure. Bottom line, we don't know who he is, and it's Federer. So we take Fed. So sorry. <laughs> All right, I'm going to go a little bit more in depth. Dominic team over Tennis Sandgren. I agree. I just don't think Sandgren has enough weapons. I think he'll move well, and if he steals a set, don't be surprised. I, saying, I think he'll get a set. Yeah, we'll I, think, I think Chung could pull out a set as over well. Over under four and a half sets for team. What do you take? 
under. Okay, fair enough. I'm going to take, yeah, four sets as well, Dominic team, but Sangren's looked impressive. Credit to him. Djokovic, Chung, this is a glimpse into the future because I'm pretty sure they both use head rackets, and I think I read an article somewhere where Chung said Djokovic was his favorite player. Both of these guys, you know, will hit heavy from the baseline. Maybe Djokovic will be overwhelmed by Chung's pace, and he's just not accustomed to that. Again, if this is four and a half sets, the over-under with uh, Novak Djokovic, I'll take Djokovic in the under, him winning four sets. As well. And I will say, I think both of them are uh, Lacoste sponsors now, too. So we got got the first uh, little double Lacoste act (laughs) instead of all the Nike that we see. It's interesting. One thing to watch, if Chung is really attacking the Djokovic serve, that could get Djokovic in trouble. But Djokovic is still the best returner outside of Murray in the game. Uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> the, the sly outside of Murray. <laughs> agree with you, Burdich Fognini. I'll take Burdich. Not a match that we'll be able to watch because we're recording this. Federer, Fuksovic, give me Fed. Sorry we didn't talk about you more, Roger, but you've looked really good so far. There's not much to say. You're, you, you're, you're great. See, he's Roger Federer. And, but right. Thanks for uh, commenting on our tweet. We, we appreciated that. <laughs> for cracked rackets, that's funny. Okay, quarterfinal. Nadal Chilich, who you got? Obviously, Nadal has looked great this tournament. But Chilich is ripping the ball, and this is the, a match where I think Chilich could surprise a lot of people. If you gave How? me, if you gave me a four and a half line, so that's going to be the line in all of these matches. I'm taking the over on over on Nadal still. Okay, but I'm taking the over. I Your think Chilich covers. I think Chilich is going to cover. I I seriously think that he has been ripping his backhands. If he can take the ball early like he's been, and that's the thing that I've loved about Chilich's game recently, you get a ball that's a little short, and he's taking advantage. So I'm still taking the doll, but I think it could be a five-second. Goes the distance. Yes. I don't disagree with you. Chilich of the big guys, probably the best mover. Yeah. I don't love his second serve, and you know Nadal plays back. But if you allow him an aggressive rip off your second serve, I just think Chilich just kind of floats a little bit. You will yeah. be in trouble, and you know Chilich is still tall, and so to get him out of the run, get him out of his comfort zone, not so good. I will be interested to watch the Nadal forehand kind of move Chilich outside of the alley and see how well Chilich is able to recover. You know, Nadal lifetime five and one in this matchup. The last time they played was in Shanghai in the fall, and Nadal. I'll beat him five and six. So a close match. A lot of this will depend on how fit Rafa is. He's sleeveless now, so he must be feeling pretty good. Oh yeah, and I mean like his young self. And again. he went the distance last night with Carreno Busta, so it's not as though he's looked poor. Four and a half sets. I don't. Know. I just don't trust Chilich in a fifth set. I agree with you. Chilich covers, but I think Nadal wins the match. All right, our next quarterfinal: Grigor Dimitrov versus Kyle Edmund. Who you taking? Oh boy! Two guys um, who make beautiful contact. So uh, this is, I think this is going to be a hot take, and you're not going to be happy with me. But oh, I'm always happy with you. I think Dimitrov. Ta- I think <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. I think Dimitrov's taking him in straights. I okay, think, you're right. <laughs> I think yes, Edmund's been playing great. I don't know if he is going to be able to keep it up into a match with a Dimitrov who's getting increasingly, you know, better throughout this tournament. Dimitrov's ground strokes have been flawless. I mean, maybe Edmund can, you know, shock the world a little bit and, and take a set, but I, I do think Dimitrov's taking this I will straights. say, between Rublev, between Mackie, between Kyrgios, Dimitrov has had to do a lot of running. And I wish we had distance covered so we could oh, know just know. how much. Unfortunately, I couldn't find that on the Australian Open website. Will Dimitrov be too worn down for this match? Probably not. The guy's a beast. But the one thing Kyle Edmund can do, he'll hit the ball. He'll move you. And, you know, we saw this matchup in Brisbane. It was, you know, a match Dimitrov won in a third set. But, you know, Edmund kind of stumbled midway through the third. And so I think he lost it 6-3 or something like that. This will be a good match. Both guys are worn down. 
if the line is three and a half sets, I'll take Edmund to cover. But I agree with you. I just think Grigor's too good, too much shot making. I don't think Edmund moves quite well enough to kind of cover for the fact that Grigor will move well or will protect his serve well. I'll take Dimitrov in four sets. All right. Seven, but two of them go to 7-6. Okay. I, I can I can see that. Yeah. All right. Let's move on. We predicted a Team Djokovic quarterfinal. You know, again, this is a bit projecting, but who would you have in that match? And no breakdown because it's not a real thing. I'm going to say Djokovic. TM's game is... Too volatile. Yeah. Fair enough. Simple as that. I'm going to take Team. I think at that point, Djokovic is worn down. I think Team takes advantage of a weak second serve. I just I, I'm rooting. Nah. This is Djokovic's court, man. Four and a half sets. Who do you take? Djokovic. Novak Djokovic favored four and a half sets over under. Taking the under. I think I think Djokovic, Djokovic in four. Djokovic in four. I'm changing my mind. I'll say Djokovic in five. <laughs> I just. I, but I hate. No, no. no. S- scratch that. I'm yeah, not doing it. Good. I'll take team. Don't let me influence oh, yeah, you. Yeah, exactly. It'll be good. One of us can be right. The other can be wrong. Cool. All right. Burdich Federer. Who you got? Ooh, I'm ready be- for a sizzling hot take. So, yeah, I'm going to take Federer in five. Um, you know, we've seen them play a lot of matches. Uh, Federer head-to-head versus British in their career. 19 wins versus British's six wins. Um, yeah. Speaks to Federer's just wiping out a generation of players. Seriously, I mean, imagine had that guy not been here, how many new players we'd have in the top five, how many new Grand Slam winners. From Davi Danko to Milos Raonic, there's a 10-year span of players that just didn't have the chances. Yeah, seriously. And so, actually, Federer has won the last 10 of their matches, um, the most recent being the semifinal in Wimbledon where he took it 7-6-7-6-6-4. You know, I think Burdish is playing great, and so he might be able to take a set, uh, maybe two, but it's going to go to Fed, in my opinion. Until you told me Burdish had lost the last 10 matches, I was ready to fire out a hot take. Burgess has the mullet now. He's clearly confident. He his shorts keep getting shorter. <laughs> he did. I mean, he deconstructed Juan Martín del Potro's game, he did. and it just it was an excellent performance. I just think Fed hasn't been tested like this yet, especially the fact now that he gets Fuksovic. So like he's just not going to be in the top form, or maybe he will be. I really want my my head says Federer, but my heart says pick against Federer. Wow, because I want the upset. Say it. You no, won't. I can't. Yeah, you won't. Fed in four. Wow, fed in four after all of that. I know. I, I just ten in a row. Yeah, the it, guy it speaks he for owns itself. Him. All right, your predicted semifinal: Nadal, Dimitrov. Who you got? It's tough. I, I really want to say Dimitrov. I want to believe in him. I want to say he's going to go out there, keep getting better each match. But Nadal looks good. You know what? I, I'm going to go ahead and head. Hot take, Dimitrov in five. Dimitrov, so the over-under's four and a half, Nadal favored, you Dimitrov say. Dimitrov in five. The lifetime, Nadal 10-1 versus Dimitrov. I know. Their last matchup. But this Na- is the chance for Dimitrov. So the last time Dimitrov beat him was Beijing 2016. Not they did ago. play at last year's Australian Open, and again, that's in the semifinals. Nadal beat, oh, wow. they actually did play last, last year. year. And Nadal beat Dimitrov 6-3, 5-7, 7-6, 6-7, 6-4. Expect a high level of tennis. The question is, is Nadal too well-rested, and is Dimitrov too worn down? Yeah. And when oh, I say too well-rested, I, I mean— I my answer. I, it's free reign. I got to change my team one. Well, I didn't end up doing it, but I got the opportunity. No, I'm not going to do it, but part of me really wants to say Nadal in five again. I mean, the last time they played, it went three sets, 6-4, six, 6-7, six, 6-3. Six, It'll be a close match. I need 
Dimitrov to win to win Turnitopia. <laughs> I'll take Dimitrov in... I think he does it in four. I think if it goes five, it means Rafa won the fourth set. And so I think the first three sets are critical. Dimitrov obviously has to go, you know, has to win two of them. I just don't think he can come back from behind two sets to one down against Nadal, given how aggressive Nadal's lefty spin is against that one-hander. I hear you. So I'm taking Dimitrov, though, still. All right. Other semifinal. So I, I took Federer Djokovic. Djokovic. Um, I'm going to go Fed. Ooh. I'm going to go Fed and four. Uh. Um, I think Djokovic doesn't have what it takes after not playing. Uh, Fed looks good. I'm going to take Fed and four. I, if Fed makes the final, I'll stay up for the final no matter what. And oh, it's absolutely. usually around 3.30 a.m., but oh, Fed makes another final. I just want to see someone new. I want the thrill no. of a new ch- I want the thrill of a new champion. I would love to see a baby Fed versus Fed final. That's what you predicted. So it that's is. it quite clear. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't take team over Fed. I just, again, though, the overpowering, you wonder if Burdich, you know, has a crack in the armor and then team kind of busts through it and just something doesn't work. He team overpowers has, he the one hand. solid enough this tournament I know, and Federer's that. the best shot maker in history. Yep. Uh, I don't want <clears throat> to pick Federer, but it's hard to pick against him. His form has been that good. Sure, I'll take a Dimitrov Fed final. All right, baby Fed versus Fed. Who you got? I don't want to take Fed because I actually would really love to see Dimitrov win this tournament, but I'm taking Fed in four. So again, lifetime Federer six and zero, and they played at Wimbledon, and Federer beat him six four six two six four in the round of sixteen. If you remember, that was right around our first podcast, and yeah. I had predicted a Dimitrov win. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. The shame can be on me. I'm gonna take Rigor <laughs> Dimitrov. I don't I, care. I thought you were totally gonna be like, yeah, Fed's taking it. <laughs> no, Dimitrov. Look, you beat Nadal in the semifinals. Your confidence is sky high. At that point, they'll both have a lot of wear on their bodies. I just think, what better symbolism than the passing of the torch than Dimitrov finally beating Federer in a Grand Slam final? Baby Fed emerges. We have a new champion. I'm rooting for the narrative. Give me Grigor Dimitrov. Do you have any other thoughts? What a f***ing tournament. (laughs) (laughs) What a f***ing tournament indeed. (laughs) Max Fliegner. We apologize in advance. This is a long podcast, and to our listeners, it is because the tennis has been so good that we wanted to talk about so many of these matches. I cannot tell you how much I'm looking forward to week two of the event. I know Max feels the same way. And, of course, we will be back here next Sunday with a recap of the second week of play, take, you know, talk a little bit more about our winners and losers from this event. Max Rothman, it's going to be a heck of a week. Eh, sorry, it's going to be ready a for f- a week. Yeah. <laughs> Get ready for a lot of text for me, especially with the Dimitrov Edmund match and with the Djokovic Chung match. There's there's gonna be some text coming your way. Oh, I look forward to them. And again, if you wanna participate with us, shoot us messages either on Twitter, on Instagram, in our crack chats, which you can find on our website. Again, please follow our work online. We'll hope to have another changeover chat out for you with again talking about these matches. Alex Leopold, Dalton Thieneman, Teddy Brodsky, Daniel Westoff, Alex Areza, the whole team is bringing just a ton of great Australian Open content, and, and we really appreciate if you could check that out. But for Max Rothman, who looks exhausted but still like Kyle Edmund, for Max Fliegner, our 3-0 and champion from the weekend, senior producer Michael Azaparty is in the background, I'm Alex Gruskin, and we say to you, hey, great shot, and enjoy the second week. We'll see you all on Sunday. Shot production. Shot production.